You're listening to the Northfield Podcast with your host, Caleb Gordon, where faith, family, and culture all collide with a biblical worldview. Hang on and buckle up. You're about to enter the Northfield Nation. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Northfield Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Gordon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be a part of the program today. Man, um, today is, you talk about a providential hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so crazy. Um, I met Cy Timbrugenkate um, back in October at Fight Left Feast and just briefly passed each other's cr- uh, paths and shook hands. And we became uh, friends on social media, followed each other on social media. And I, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. He said, man, I'm traveling right now, but um, we need to hook up at some point. Just get in touch with me in a couple weeks. And so I, I did that. I reached out again to him. I said, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. So when, when's the best time for you to come on? He said, it's still traveling. I, I'm in Oklahoma. And he goes, he said, I'm in Oklahoma. I said, well, I'm in Oklahoma. Where are you at? And he told me where he was at. And today he was in the living room with me, sat here, and we had such a great conversation and, and talked about apologetics and the reason God exists, his his website um, is called proofthatgodexists.org, and, and just a fantastic uh, apologist, loves the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation with Cy Tim Bruggenkate. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Cy Tim Bruggenkate. Did I get it? That's good. That was close. At least you put the 10 on there. There's a lot of people who want to leave the 10 off. They say Cy Bruggenkate. I was at a conference a while ago, and I said, you've got a nice book table out there. you got books by Corey Bohm. <laughs> and they yell out, it's 10 Bohm. I said, then why do you leave it off of my name? <laughs> so, good that's, job. That's good job. Well, I try. I try. So you and I ran into each other very briefly at Fight, Laugh, Feast 2023, this last time at the, at right. the ARC. Mm-hmm. You were down in the ex, uh, exhibitors thing, shaking a couple Hanging out with Marcus and the Lord table. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And I just came by and, and I saw you. And I, sh- I was like, well, I, sh- I didn't actually know who you were at the time. and But there were several people around <laughs> you. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's quite all right. And and I so I walked over and uh, shook your hand. We talked for a few minutes. So you probably don't remember that. But providentially, um, through this is the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Social media is a big deal in the world in which we live. We've become friends on Facebook. So it's official, right? Right. So um, you and I uh, have talked back and forth and providentially by the Lord's hand, you're in Oklahoma. Right. And you told me that. And I was like, well, where in Oklahoma? And you told me. I was driving a few weeks ago and you said, well, let's do the interview we talked about. And I said, I'm on the road right now. Hit me up in a couple of weeks. I might be home. And you hit me up and I thought, oh man, I'm still on the road. I'm in Oklahoma. And you said, I'm in Oklahoma. (laughs) I live in Oklahoma. Uh, by God's providence, I came out here. And like I said, just before I came here, I stopped at a Starbucks, had a great conversation with two fellows. And, you know, this interview, I'm hoping it's going to be great. But the trip to Bartlesville might just be for those two guys that I got an opportunity to speak with. Praise the Lord. That's so good. Um, that's that's great. Um, so, OK, for those who don't know who you are, who is Cy? Give us a 30,000 foot view. And how did Jesus get a hold of you? My name is Cy Tenbruggenkate. And um, I was born and raised in Ontario, Canada. Um, in a Christian home where Jesus' love was lived and shown. I don't know when I was saved. And um, I don't say I was born a believer, sure. but I grew up in a in a home where Christ was proclaimed. So, of course, there have been ups and, down, ups and downs in my walk. 
But there are people who say, if you don't know when you're saved, then you're not a believer. I say, when did you start loving your mother? And they say, well, I don't know. Well, I guess you don't love your mother. So I don't know when I was saved, but I was born and raised in a Christian home. And um, I'm a boiler operator by trade. In okay. Canada, I believe here as well, you need a certificate to operate a steam boiler because if one of those explodes, it'll take out a city block. Yeah. So you need a qualification to do that. So I did that most of my um, adult life. And I love sharing my faith with people at work and um, unbelievers that I knew. And um, I was using all of these evidential type arguments and I got really good at them. And my okay. friends loved, you know, how I dumbed down these arguments to my um, factory worker level. And they said, you got to get this out there. So I built a website, it's point and click with all these evidential arguments to try and present them at a basic level. The problem is I was using them with people at work as well. And I was getting them shoved down my throat. And I didn't know why. Yeah. And I found out later why is because they're terrible arguments. They're not talking about the God that I believe in. <laughs> and by the grace of God, I was introduced to a um, debate by um, Dr. Greg Bonson yeah. and Dr. Gordon Stein. It's called The Great Debate. People can look it up. And it rocked my world. Yeah. It was presuppositional apologetics. And then what I tried to do to dumb that down to my level and presented the website and it's proof that God exists.org. And people can go there, check it out, see a lot of the videos I've done and the point and click quiz to get to the existence of God. That's fantastic. I just had David Bonson on the podcast oh, like great. a month ago. So, yeah. yeah so that's... I went the 10th anniversary of his father's death in California when I was just introduced to the apologetic. I went there and I met him and his uh, Greg Bonson's mother was still alive. So I got to meet her. So oh, wow. Really cool. Such a cool. And my, my whole world has been. So I work for a company that it's called the Nine Minds, mm -hmm. and they um, all, all reformed guys that that run in that camp. And we were at Fight Laugh Feast, and my, I have I've always been a fan of Doug Wilson. Right. Um, I'm a, I'm a reformed Baptist, but so I'm not you know I'm not in the Presbyterian camp. So I, I don't yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's enough. There's enough of you guys around. I, I, I laugh because I've got more Reformed Presbyterian friends than I do. Well, maybe not in this world, uh, in this life, but in the next. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but it's 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 interesting how God has has providentially just put so many great believers in in my sphere just to encourage my faith and, and to challenge me in certain areas. Um, even when it comes to eschatology, when it comes to things that, you know, of that nature. And so it's, it's just fantastic mm -hmm. um, to be in that, in this camp. And um, so one you're you like to share your faith at work, right? And you wanted to do that more of a full-time capacity. How, how did that? Well, actually I didn't want to do it at a full-time capacity. Okay. Um, but I went to an evangelism conference uh, from the church I was attending at the time. Okay. And I disagreed with 95% of what the speaker said. Oh, wow. And okay. it was brutal. And I thought something needs to be done about this. So I was making over 100 grand a year. I was working for Toyota as a boiler operator. And um, I went to that conference and I thought something needs to be done about that. And shortly after that, I saw the movie Expelled. It's talking about intelligent design. Now, I'm not a proponent of intelligent design. I'm a creationist. But yep. at the end of the film, uh, Ben Stein says, yep. if we don't do something about this, who will? Anyone? Anyone? That's his famous line from mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, yeah, I cannot complain about this unless I'm willing to do Amen. something about it. So I think it was the next day I handed in my resignation at work. And then that was in, in 2008. So I've been doing this full time ever since. Talking about the God that I believe in. Like one thing that... I share a quote from C.S. Lewis, okay. and um, it really resonated with me because he said, the weakest he felt in his faith is when he just finished successfully defending it. And I felt exactly the same way. Wow. And I didn't know why. But now, as a presuppositionist, I know why. 
because I wasn't talking about the God that I believe in. Yeah. I was talking about a probability. Okay. A high likelihood, but a probability. I was not saved by a probability. Now when I proclaim my faith, I do it from the certainty of God, the certainty of his word. And I have never felt that as a presuppositionalist. Okay, so for those that may not know, explain mm-hmm. what presupp- presuppositional is. Well, the, the easiest way that I find to, um, to explain is, I say, imagine a fossil. You put a fossil right between us here. Okay. And you have a believing geologist, PhD on one side, and an unbelieving PhD geologist on the other side. And you say to him, examine that fossil and tell me how old it is. The unbeliever looks at this as um, millions of years. The believing PhD looks at it and says, Noah's flood, thousands of years. Exactly the same evidence, but they have vastly different conclusions. Why? Not because of the evidence. All evidence is interpreted according to the beliefs we take to the evidence. So those beliefs we take to the evidence are our foundational beliefs, our presuppositions. Okay. A Christian will examine all evidence according to Christian presuppositions. Yep. And if there's things that go against that, for example, um, we believe that a dead man came back to life. Yeah. Because we have a rescuing device, the word of God, that says that this happened at least, you know, those times that it happened in scripture. Unbelievers have rescuing devices as well. They look at the evidence. And um, there was um, a group of paleontologists that found dinosaur bone soft tissue. And a group of Christians raised over $20,000 to have the paleontologists examine that uh, soft tissue, to have it carbon dated. And the uh, guy, Jack Horner, in charge of this team, would not have it carbon dated. And the reason he would not have it carbon dated, he says carbon dating doesn't work on something that old. So he had a presupposition that it was old. Nothing would change that. Let's say it was carbon dated. He would have a reason to say, well, why the result was false, that it only showed thousands of years, because they have atheistic presuppositions. We both have presupposition. So to argue the evidence, to me, is pointless. Scripture says everyone knows that God exists. And if I present evidence in a way to try and convince them that God exists, I would say that I'm sinning when I do that, because I'm denying what the Word of God says. Okay. Now, I used to say that when other people did it, they were sinning, but they freaked out. They freaked out. So I don't say that anymore. <laughs> I say when I was doing it, I was sinning. I didn't know it. Right. But I was talking about a probability that they didn't know, and I was going to try to convince them with evidence. And the analogy that I use is the courtroom. I say, where do you hear evidence most often presented in the world? And I would say you hear it in different places, but most often in the courtroom. Right. Who in the courtroom do you present evidence to? The judge and jury. Right. Unbeliever comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God and you present them with evidence, who are you saying is the judge and jury? Them. And in what seat in that courtroom do we put the Lord of glory? We've put him into the criminal's box. Come on. God has given us wonderful evidence. We can win that court case. But who's the judge? The unbeliever says, you have satisfied my demand for evidence. Now I'm going to worship God. That's not the way it works. God is the judge. Amen. Scripture says they have sufficient knowledge of God for their condemnation. So that's what I expose. Now, of course, God's going to save who's going to save. That's why it's a reformed apologetic. Because scripture talks about two types of people. Goats went up in hell. Sheep went up in heaven. Yeah. One thing that scripture never says is that goats become sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So I don't present evidence to try to convince people that God exists. I give them sheep food. And uh, I hope that the Holy Spirit opens their open eyes. Open their eyes, yeah. And what is sheep food? It's the gospel. Amen. So the more I do this, the more even as a presuppositionist, I get away from the philosophy. Because evidence, evidentialists are trying to use evidence to try and convince them that God exists. A lot of presuppositionists try to try to use philosophy to convince them. And what I've seen in my life is that people fall in love with the argument 
rather than the Lord of the argument. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the more I do this, I go out and try to love people because the argument's already won. Is there a place for evidence? Absolutely. Is there a place for philosophy? Absolutely. But it has to be used in a way that honors God. That's I think there's so many different people that we we, it, we try to it's like we're pleading with people right and and I, I'm yeah I take somewhat Spurgeon's you know Spurgeon's thought process of if if they are going to go to hell yes we're gonna do we want them to go to hell no nobody I, there's Let nobody them go with their arms clutched around their neck sure and so we 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 implore but we don't try gimmicks and whatnot just right. use the word of God. And, and you know, I go back to Romans. I just I, this is I've, I I keep telling my church I'm going to tattoo this on the back of the the wall. There, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by you know, right, <laughs> just right there across the forehead. Right, I've gotten big enough forehead for it. <laughs> but, I'm wearing a hat, so yeah. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so that people always, you know, how, how do you get faith? Because we're Ephesians two eight now. We're saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. How do we get faith? Well, it's this is the reason I'm such a big promoter of uh, the preaching of the word of God. Right. It, we don't, instead of storytelling and, and all these other things that we do in churches. But wait a minute. In Romans 1, 16, it says the power of God is size great argument. Oh, is that what that says? No. Is that, mes- <laughs> is that the message? See, <laughs> that's the problem is that people think that. It's right. like, no, it's, the power of God is of salvation is the gospel. It's the gospel. That's what it is. That's it. That's what we need to preach to. And the problem is, is that I hear people, one of the worst things I hear is on Facebook, you know, somebody would say, I was talking to my unbelieving sister-in-law yesterday. I really wish I was there. I said, yeah, I w- wish I was there to listen to you talk about the God that saved you. So, oh. I, can, so I can learn from you. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, because they try to use all this philosophy. So I go to a conference. I'll say, you have asked me to come here today to teach you how to defend your faith that God exists. So I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball. I didn't tell your pastor. I'm going to teach you how to defend your faith that your parents exist. And they go, look at this freak from Canada. Coming here to teach us how to defend our faith, our parenting. <laughs> Say that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Right. Why? Because you know your parents. Yeah. You know them better than I do. And then I say, what am I doing here teaching how to defend your faith that God exists? I say, if you know him, you can do it. So I actually, as an apologist, I don't teach people how to defend their faith that God exists. I teach them how not to. Okay. If you know this, God, you can do it. So after I do a talk, I want people to think, I could have done this all along. But the world, even the world of Christian apologists is saying, no, you got to go to university. You got to get a degree in apologetics. I, I title my talk the last apologetics talk you'll ever need. And I had a friend of mine. He messaged me. He says, "Sai, you don't want to title it like that because then they're not going to want your videos. They're not going to want your books if you ever write one." <laughs> I said, "You don't understand. I want this to be the last apologetics talk you'll ever need, because Scripture says we're commanded to do it. And the beauty is, is that when you see that God has equipped us to do it, I say when people understand this apologetic, it's not when they can win arguments. It's when they love God more." Because God has commanded us, and we say he's also equipped us. If you do it wrong, you have to be brilliant. But if you do it biblically, it's easy. Yeah. And that's what I say. People watch a, a debate with William Lane Craig. They say, I can never do that. That guy's brilliant. They watch one of my debates. They say, I can do that. He's an idiot. <laughs> and I say, praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And this is the thing is that God takes what we consider foolish. Right. Right. And uses people. You know, you go back to, to David. You know, when Samuel came in, he was looking through all the different brothers, the ones that were handsome, the good jaws, all these different things. Like this, nope, not him, not him, not him. Clearly, that isn't a uh, requirement for apologists either, <laughs> right? And so, you, look, where's David? No, he's this ruddy faced kid out in the yard. Go get him. God uses who He's going to use, right. and and oftentimes it's not who we think He's going to use, right? right? And and it's it's I love that you said because so many people jump in and say, well, golly, I. 
I need to get them to church so that I can, so that my pastor can lead them to the Lord. Right. No, 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 you, you can do that. You, if you're a believer, if you're a follower, you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You have a command. I think you've probably also heard it said that church is not a place for unbelievers. No, it's for believers. It's exactly you know, so. We have to preach the gospel to them so that they'll want to go and worship Him in in our church. Now, of course, people are converted in church. I get that through yes. the preaching of the word. But we should be equipped. The problem is when we do it wrong, we're not equipped. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, "You know, I really can't do apologetics. I, I'm I'm not that smart enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do that." And I usually respond with, "You know what? I can't love people." I really wish that I could. You know, those people, they're great at loving people. And they say, well, you're commanded to do it. Say, exactly. Ah. We're commanded to do it. So if you think that you have to be smart enough, you're doing it wrong. And the example I give, I say, let's say you're on the street and you have studied geology. Mm-hmm. And you know your rock layers. And you get some unbeliever come up to you and you wipe the floor with them. Because you know your rock layers. What's he going to do when he gets home? Google rock layers. You want him to repent and put his trust in Jesus Christ, and he's at home Googling rock layers. I say, congratulations. <laughs> and he's Googling rock layers, and he finds that there's a PhD, an unbeliever in geology, lives down the street. He takes him out on the street to argue with you, and that guy wipes the floor with you because he's smarter than you. He's sure. better than you are, and that's the problem. When you do apologetics wrong, you have to be brilliant, and there's always somebody smarter than you. Sure. When you do it biblically, you don't have to be brilliant. You see, this is what the Bible says about you. And that's why when I defend my faith with people, I don't think I have to study logic more, science, geology, any of that. My thought is I need to read my Bible more. And that's the apologetic that I want to get down to is answer with scripture. And that's what God is going to use to save people. He's not going to use my argument. Because the thing is, if you can argue a person into the kingdom, it follows that the next person could argue him out. And so people say to me, I'm a Christian because of the evidence. Now, I think God can use evidence to make people a Christian. And then I say, if you're a Christian because of the evidence, what evidence would make you no longer a Christian? And if they give me an answer, then it becomes a problem. No. Because as a Christian, if I see some evidence that I cannot reconcile, what do I do? Lean not on my own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If somebody says, well, this evidence, you know, now I'm no longer a Christian, then, then God was not Lord of their reasoning. And that's what it says in 1 John 2, 19. Those who left us were never among us. If evidence could take you out of belief, then it follows that Christ was not Lord of your reasoning. And what I like to show Christians is that you can't make sense of anything unless you start with Christian presuppositions. Yeah. Oddly enough, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's it. Amen. You can't know anything without him. And at the beginning of the film, see, I'm talking with somebody. And I said, I was talking to a friend of mine for six hours. And then he finally got, and I started to chuckle. Because the person I'm talking to is the person I'm talking about, <laughs> the chalk and knock David. Oh. And he said, he finally got it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I said, that's what I told you six hours ago. <laughs> he says, but now I get it. Yeah. And with that knowledge, if you understand they know that God exists, that everything they do is a gift from God, and you let them do that without acknowledging God, I say, that's problematic. And I say, look, I'll have this discussion with you, but you understand you're sinning against the God you know exists. There's an example that I use that, you know, it's kind of harsh. And I say, imagine you're standing beside your wife. Somebody comes up to you and says, I think your wife's a whore. And you say, well, last night uh, we were making dinner together. I don't think she was walking the street last night. And uh, the night before that, she was at choir practice. I don't think she was walking the street that night. The night before that, she was visiting her parents. I I don't think my wife is a whore. I don't think she was walking the street. What would your wife think about that? She she probably wouldn't be very happy. But you say, buddy, that's my wife you're talking about. You better be very careful with the next words out of your mouth. Come on. Somebody comes up and he says, I don't believe in God. You say, well, let me give you some evidence. Let me, 
we would defend the dignity of our wife more than we would the dignity of God. Scripture says everyone knows that God exists. So when somebody says they don't know, they're blaspheming. See, that's a problem. See, look, the Bible says you know. Now, we can go over some of your objections, but know that this is very dangerous for you. Yeah, dangerous ground. Yeah, because Scripture says people are sent to hell according to the amount of truth they get and reject. And I'm giving you a lot of truth today. If you die in your sin, this could be the worst day of your life. But let's have this conversation. You know, that's a totally different thing. Because now we're talking about the God we believe in. Now we're not talking about some probability that I have to convince you of. I'm talking about the God who says you cannot make sense of anything unless you start with him. Amen. So, Golly, yeah, that's so good. I shouldn't silence my phone. No, you're fine. Right now. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And, um, I One of the things that I I have been, I'm a pastor's son. My dad was um pastor. A PK. Yeah, I was a PK. I have, um, now, now I'm a pastor. Um, it's, it's yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been such a cool thing to see. Cause I, you mentioned something. Dad always said this. If I can convince you of something with my own logic and my own words, mm-hmm. then somebody smarter than me can always convince right. you out of it. If the Holy spirit convinces you, nobody's going to talk Amen. to you about that. Amen. And so that was one of those things that it, when you said it just made me think of my dad. And so I just. Now, there are people that I believe God has saved through evidences. Sure. And then Christ becomes Lord of their reasoning. And then no evidence could convince them otherwise. Amen. You know, so God can use a, a, a bent stick to strike a straight blow. Yeah. You know, as as because we're all bent sticks. Amen. So but what I'm saying is to these people that have these other apologetic views, if you want to use evidence to expose the suppression of truth, go nuts. But most of the people out there use evidence to try to convince them of what the Bible says they already know. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, I need evidence for God, I'll say to them, what evidence would convince you of the God who says you already have enough? And they say, well, if you give me this evidence, I said, no, no, you didn't understand my question. Yeah. What evidence would convince you of the God who says you already have enough evidence? <laughs> no evidence can convince him of that God. Amen. I, I, it's one of the things I tell people. I said, when, when you walk out your front door mm-hmm. and you look at the sunrise, that's enough evidence. That's God right. being merciful and showing to you that he exists. Because you you look at, you know, you look at this. So that we're without excuse. Sure, without excuse. And if I if I told you, I, look, I put I took this cell phone and I put it into a box and I shook it for a few hours right. and it came together. What would you say? Right, it'd be absurd. It'd be silly. But the thing is, how we present that argument is different. If you say therefore God, I would say that that's an incorrect argument. Okay. I'm not saying all of this complexity therefore God. Sure. I'm saying God therefore we can make sense of this complexity. Absolutely. Because if the conclusion is God, the unbeliever could say, and you know what, I do believe in your God, but guess what? I didn't need Him to get them. Yeah. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says you need him to reason about complexity. You know, so if somebody wants to say every building needs a builder, I say, praise God. But say every building needs a builder and you know that builder. You know, and you're without excuse for your sin against that builder. But if you say every building needs a builder, now that's trying to use your autonomous reason to try and figure out who that is. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, you know. You already know. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow, it's such, it's refreshing to, and this is what I'm saying, providentially, I've, I've watched a couple of, I watched the video I watched was when you were the pastor Jeff Durbin you were oh, okay. on the street with him and you were, the, you were talking to the guy on the street mm-hmm. and he, he says that, you know, you, I'm going to make you my Lord and Savior. Oh, okay. and, and, and I just, I just giggled at, at, at how you, how you interacted with him. And, and I was like, this is, this is what believers should be doing. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we, 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 as Christians, we everybody has a guy. Oh, I got a guy that can fix this, or I got a guy that can do this. You know, I had a contractor build right. my house, right? Mm-hmm. Things like that. So what we do is we we gotta get a guy, and rather than 
do the work of studying on our own, reading the text, going over it and 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 understanding it. We we right. try to pawn that off on somebody else. Oh, hey, watch this video. Hey, watch, listen to this. Right. No, figure it out for yourself and be able to to articulate the truth of the, the gospel in hopes of seeing them redeemed. Amen. Not not because you want to be right, because that's what we often do. I, I've got a I've got a friend who's an atheist. His name is John. No, you don't. Okay, fair enough. I have a guy I know. Professed atheist. A professed atheist. Sorry. No, a professed atheist. I get it. No, I get it. And and he always, he's been to church with me 17 different times. Wow. Um, and every time he walks out the door, he goes, well, you almost got me to believe. And I said, well, you already do believe. Right? Right. I always tell you, yeah. you do believe and you're almost to heaven, but you're, you're, gonna, you're missing heaven by 18 inches. I think some people need to apologize to their unbelieving family and friends for misrepresenting the God they adore. Okay. Because they're presenting him as a probability. But when you present him, so no, you do know this God. I'll bring you back here every week until God opens your eyes. But you do know this God and you're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. A lot of people will watch my videos and they'll go to the unbeliever and say, you're lying. Now, they very well might be lying, but that's not the words that scripture uses. Scripture says they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So I don't mind if somebody says you are suppressing the truth according to what the Bible says, because you could show them. But I wouldn't say that they're liars because that, you know, gets them excited to get some angry but i was thinking about that video you referenced that fellow i get a lot of grief from that or some grief from it this fellow we were in um in arizona mm-hmm. and i think he'd been practicing an argument if he ever met me that he would use yeah and this guy he didn't know i was coming to the abortion clinic that day but he said to me um you are my messiah to me he says i want you to disprove that you're my messiah and so i answered a fool according to his fault yeah. And I said, okay, if I'm your Messiah, I want you to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ right now. And the guy said, you wouldn't. I said, look, I'm your Messiah. Repent and put your trust in Christ before it's too late. He wouldn't. I said, well, clearly I'm not your Messiah because you're being disobedient. Yeah. I, I was answering a fool according to his folly. Sure. But there are people who are angry that I said that I was his Messiah. But I was just taking what he was saying and just right. and, turning it back on him. And if people get angry over that, that's silly. I, no. I get exactly what you were trying to do. But I think some people, too, do not understand the apologetic. I did a debate with my friend Dustin Seegers in North Carolina, and we argued presupposition. And he held up a book. It was um, the Encyclopedia of Biblical Contradictions. And he says, look, if you want evidence, we got a book. You could look at that if that's what you want. But that's not what this is about. All evidence is interpreted. And if you don't start with God, you can't make sense of anything. You know how many emails we got asking what, the, what that book was? Because people weren't getting it. <laughs> but a year later, we'd be getting emails. Now I get it. Now I get it. You know, when people understand the God they actually believe in, it's a relief. Yeah. I get emails from young men who said before they understood a biblical apologetic, they were afraid to go to certain atheist YouTube channels because they thought it would shake their faith. Now they go to those same videos, those same YouTube videos, and they laugh, not at the plight of the unbeliever because they're going to hell, yeah. but at the folly of unbelief. Yeah. And when you start with the authority of Scripture, and people think, I'm not going to quote Scripture to that person because our Bible says a donkey talk. But I mean, I don't only have to say this from experience, but from experience, when you quote Scripture, it closes mouths. And if they say, you know, I don't that you're crazy, doesn't matter. There's a, yeah. there's a story that I use, and hopefully it'd be encouraging for the people that watch this. But my friend Jeff, he told a story when he went deer hunting and he was asked to go bow hunting. He'd never been before in his life, but he figured he's a pretty good athlete. He was going to get a deer and his friend wasn't. Yeah. So he went out, bought the nicest outfit. He bought the nicest bow and arrow and that tree stand. And they set up 100 yards apart all day. Nothing. Starting to get dark. He hears a crash at his friend's tree stand. He goes, oh, no, he got one. 
either he got one or he fell out of his stand. He said, I better go and check and make sure he's okay. He's walking over to his friend. His eyes are wide like this. He's like, I got one. I got one. Jeff goes, where? In that tall grass over there. Goes over to the tall grass to look for this dead deer. Finds the guy's arrow. He said, you missed, buddy. You missed. I got your arrow right here. You missed. I said, I didn't miss. He said, that arrow went clean through his rib cage, through its heart. 70 yards down that path, we're going to find that deer lying there dead. And sure enough, they go, and there's that deer lying there dead. Now, you quote a scripture verse to somebody at work, and they flip you off, and they walk away. You didn't miss. Amen. God's word is sharper than that arrow. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. You think you have to have an argument about philosophy or evidence for six hours. No, you don't. Quote the truth of the Bible to that person, and you didn't miss. Amen. Maybe 70 yards down the path when he got his head on his pillow, He's going to thinking about that thing that you said. No, you can argue philosophy with him for six hours. You can argue evidence for six hours. Or maybe your wife comes along and says, I know that you know this God. Do you want to know how to be made right with him before you die? You come and talk to me. Now, that person has tragedy in their life the next day. Who are they coming to? Are they coming to the person who argued evidence for six hours or philosophy or the person who said, I know that you know? Yeah. You know, and that's what you'll see because that's the person who spoke the most truth to them. Amen. And that's the person they'll gravitate to. Praise the Lord. It's so good. Man, golly, this is this is good stuff. I, I thank you so it's much. It's biblical, though. I mean, it is. That's the thing. And I was spoken Escondido on my way down here, and I had people coming up to me. I can do this talk. I say, praise God. And that's the fact. That's I talk to pastors who say, I want you to teach me. I say, I could teach you how to do this better than I can in five minutes. Because you went to seminary, you know your Bible better than I do. Yeah. And that is the fact. If you knew, if you know your Bible, somebody says something that's contrary to scripture, you tell them that. Yeah. You tell them what the Bible says about them, and you didn't miss. Amen. And that's the beauty it, of it. I love this because there's so many people that think, I can't do these things. I can't win my friend for Christ. I can't they're share right. my faith. Okay, yes. Yeah. They're right. No, but I know what you mean, though. Right, no. But you can. See, there's a quote um, I had from uh, Piper. and said, God rewards faithfulness above fruitfulness. And I actually met Piper, and I said, my mom had this on her fridge for years. He said, I got it from Billy Graham. So <laughs> as far as the source goes, but we are commanded to be faithful. Yeah, All of us can be faithful. Faithfulness is talking about the God that saved us, telling others about him, making Christ sweet to them. Yeah. And we're here talking about philosophy or about, you know, um, carbon dating. Are you kidding me? You know, but the thing is, the world, you go on, that's why I, I teach apologetics. So people say, oh, apologetics, I love this. They go to YouTube and they watch all these videos. And it's all people talking about a God I don't believe in. Yeah. Amen. You know, and so I'm just some lonely boiler operator. But hopefully, and I tell people when I do a conference, I say, do not um, come at this with an open mind. I don't want you to look at what I'm doing with an open mind. Come at it with an open book. Okay. And if I want you to look at scripture, see if what I'm saying contradicts scripture. If it does, you call me on it. But I think you'll see that the present presentation of evidence to try and convince people God exists, that's what's contrary to Scripture. Yeah, amen. Wow. Um, I'm, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go I was ahead. debating a fellow um, not too long ago. Well, Eric Hernandez. People can go and, and Google it on, uh, you know, it's on YouTube as well. But um, that's what I was saying. I said, nowhere in Scripture is there an example of people using evidence to try and convince them that God exists. He said, what about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? And I knew he was going there because I'd heard him talk about that before. Sure. I said, well, let's look at that story. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, um, they were trying to find out which God was God. Yeah, which one was they, there? You know, make an altar, cut up this bull, put it on there, call down fire. And, of course, the prophets of Baal were doing this. No success. They're cutting themselves. And then Elijah says to him, um, where's your God? Is he traveling? <laughs> Apparently, or is he busy? That's a euphemism for, is he on the toilet? Yeah. Like he was mocking them. Of course, nothing happens. And then Elijah says, my turn. Douse it with, fire, uh, with water. All covered with water calls down fire, consumed. He said, your God is God. 
I said, what did Elijah do then? He said, well, now that you're believers, there's our circumcision tent. I want you to line up single file. We're going to circumcise you. Welcome aboard to the community of believers. No, he slaughtered them. Killed them all. See, that evidence was not to convince them that God exists. It was judgment for their unbelief. And I said to Eric, who was a big devotee of William Lane Craig, I said, if William Lane Craig wants to win, use evidence to win an argument, that's fine. But if he wins, he's got to kill his opponent. <laughs> of course, I, you know, I, it was tongue in cheek. Sure. And one of my favorite clips on YouTube is Dr. White reviewing that. Mm -hmm. And he just starts laughing. He says, you know, I don't know if I would have thought of that. But if I did, I probably wouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I love, and I love Dr. White, love Jeff, all those guys that do. do. I just saw them a week ago. Yeah, that. that's so awesome. So great. Um, man, thank you for being here and being on the on the program just to share this. If, if people are interested in finding out who you are and they want you to come speak at a conference or come or, or come to their house. <laughs> I mean, how, how can uh, how can they get a hold of you? The website is proof that God exists with an S dot org. Okay. And they could go there as a contact page there. But if they want to see my videos, my um, How to Answer the Fool is on YouTube on my channel called Answer Anyone. And I also have a, a channel called Proof That God Exists. And that's more of my open air stuff and my debates and things like that. So. Love, it. Love it. Thank you so much for being brother, on the program. It's, it's, thanks so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, so great. So would you. You, would you dismiss this in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Lord God, thank you for life. Thank you that we might be part of it. Thank you for the knowledge, Lord God, that you are God and that we are not. Lord God, please move us to repentance for lying about you when we defend our faith, mm -hmm. for misrepresenting you when we defend our faith. Lord God, move us to when we defend our faith, talk about the God that we believe in, the God that we know, and to make your son sweet to them by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you might use us to bring in your elect. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this meeting. We thank you for saints who are instant brothers and sisters throughout the world, Lord God. Mm -hmm. Move us to seek to serve you in all that we say and do and think and are. We pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now you can see my forehead. <laughs> it's awesome.